ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so today's hadith is the hadith of Abu Abdullah, Abu Abdullah Jabir ibn Abdullah al-Ansari. Radiyallahu anhuma, anna rajulan sa'ala Rasulallah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama faqal, Ya Rasulallah, araayta idha sallaytu salawatil maktubat, wa sumtu ramadhan, وأحللت الحلال وحرمت الحرام ولم أزد على ذلك شيئا أأدخل الجنة قال نعم قال والله لا أزيد على ذلك شيئا رواه مسلم ومعنى حرمت الحرام اجتنبته ومعنى أحللت الحلال فعلته معتقدا حلة in this hadith of Abu Abdullah Jabir ibn Abdullah al-Ansari radiyallahu anhuma, he mentions that a man came and asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He came and asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Messenger of Allah, أَرَأَيْتَ إِذَا صَلَّيْتُ الصَّلَوَاتِ الْمَكْتُوبَاتِ Do you see or do you consider that if I prayed the five obligatory prayers, وَصُمْتُ رَمَضَانِ and I fast Ramadan. وَأَحْلَلْتُ الْحَلَالِ And I consider the halal to be halal. Meaning that I perform the halal acts. وَحَرَّمْتُ الْحَرَامِ And I stay away from the haram acts. وَلَمْ أَزِدْ عَلَى ذَلِكَ شَيْئًا And I don't do anything more than that. I don't add anything on top of that. Will I enter paradise? So the Prophet said, نَعَمْ Yes. So the man said, By Allah, I will not do anything on top of that then. This hadith narrated by Muslim. So what does this hadith mean? هذا الرجل قال للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يسأله أرأيت This man came and asked the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم He asked the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم to give him some information and to tell him about his question, which was that he said to the Prophet ﷺ, if I was to pray the five obligatory prayers every day, if I was to pray the five obligatory prayers every day, even if I didn't pray any of the supererogatory ones, Ramadan, and I fasted the month of Ramadan, اِقْتَصَرْتُ عَلَى الْفَرْضِ وَلَمْ أَسُمْ تَطَوُّعًا Meaning that if I was to fast in Ramadan and not add anything more than that, any optional fasts, وَأَحْلَلْتُ الْحَلَالِ And that I believe whatever is halal to be halal. If Allah has made something halal for me, then I consider that to be halal and I perform the halal. وَحَرَّمْتُ الْحَرَامِ and I believe whatever is haram is haram. Whatever Allah has made haram, I consider that to be haram. And I stay away from it. If I was to do all of that, 
to stick to the five prayers every day, the obligatory prayers, and to fast the month of Ramadan, and to stick to all of the halal, and to stay away from all of the haram, then would I enter paradise? So the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said yes. فَهَذَا الْحَدِيثُ فِيهِ أَنَّ مَنْ أَدَّ الْوَاجِبَاتِ وَالْفَرَائِضِ وَتَرَكَ الْمُحَرَّمَاتِ وَاكْتَفَى بِالْحَلَالِ عَنْ غَيْرِهِ مِنَ الْمَآكِلِ وَالْمَشَارِبِ الْمُحَرَّمَةِ فَإِنَّهُ يَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةِ This hadith therefore indicates that a person who sticks to performing the obligatory acts, like in this hadith the man mentioned about praying five prayers every day, fasting the month of Ramadan, the obligatory acts. A person who sticks to doing all of the obligatory acts in Islam, and he sticks to the halal things that are permissible for him, and he stays away from the haram things that are impermissible, then that individual will enter paradise. Meaning he sticks to the halal which is permissible, and he stays away from the haram that is impermissible. Whether that is earning the money for example, so he earns his money in the halal way. He earns his money in the permissible way. And he doesn't earn the money in a haram way through interest or deception or cheating or bribery. He doesn't earn his money through that type of deceptive way. He earns it in the halal way. And he spends it in the halal way. Because when it comes to wealth, when it comes to your wealth, then there are two questions that every individual will be asked about regarding his wealth. The first will be where and how did you obtain this wealth? Where did you get this money from, this wealth from? Meaning, did you get it from a halal way? Or did you get it from a haram way? Then the second question is, where and how did you spend this wealth? Did you spend it in a halal way? Or did you spend it in a haram way? So there are two parts to the wealth. And maybe some people they fall into two calamities. Maybe some people they earn the wealth in a haram way. And then on top of that they spend it in haram ways. So here the man said, if I stick to the halal, and I stay away from all of that haram, and I perform all of the obligatory acts, then will I enter paradise? Even if I don't do anything additional, extra on top of that, the Prophet ﷺ said, yes, if you stick to performing all of the obligatory acts, and you stick to the halal, and you stay away from the haram, then that individual will enter paradise. وَاللَّهُ جَلَّ وَعَلَىٰ قَسَّمَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِلَىٰ ثَلَاثَةِ أَقْسَامِ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in the Qur'an that the believers are three levels. The believers, the mu'minun, are three levels. So what are these three levels that a Muslim can be upon? There are three different levels. One of those is, ظَالِمٌ لِنَفْسِهِ Somebody who transgresses or oppresses himself, does wrong to himself. وَهُوَ الَّذِي يَقَعُ فِي الْمَعَاصِ دُونَ الشِّرْكِ and that is the type of person who commits sins. He commits sins, but less than shirk. He commits sins, but less than shirk. فَهَذَا تَحْتَ مَشِيئَةِ اللَّهِ إِنْ شَاءَ غَفَرَ لَهُ وَإِنْ شَاءَ عَذَّبَهُ 
So that person is under the command of Allah. If Allah wishes to forgive him, he may be forgiven. And if Allah wishes to punish him first, then he may be punished. لَكِنْ هُوَ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْجَنَّةِ But he will be, in the end, from the people of paradise. An individual who performs sins, but he does not commit any shirk. So he is a person of tawheed, but he ends up committing sins. So when he dies, if he hasn't repented from those sins, then he is under the command of Allah. Maybe Allah will forgive him for those sins and allow him to go to paradise straight away anyway. Or maybe Allah will hold him accountable for those sins and he will be punished for them and then allowed to go to paradise. But the point is, in the end, he will go to paradise. Because even though he committed sins, he did not commit shirk. His sins were lesser than shirk. So that is one level of the believers. They are people of Tawheed. Yet they commit sins and they commit errors and wrongdoing. And so on the day of judgment, they will be under the command of Allah. The second level of the believers. الْمُقْتَصِدُ الَّذِي اِقْتَصَرَ عَلَى الْفَرَائِضِ وَلَمْ يَأْتِ بِالنَّوَافِلِ وَتَرَكَ الْمُحَرَّمَاتِ وَاكْتَفَى بِالْمُبَاحَاتِ The second level of the believers, the middle level of the believers, are those people who perform all of the obligatory acts. They perform all of the obligatory acts, but they don't go above that. They don't do the optional acts and the supererogatory, the nawafil. They don't do those. They perform the obligations. They perform the obligations, and they stick to the halal, and they stay away from the haram. So they don't fall into all of that sinning and wrongdoing, and even if they do, they repent from it. So these middle level, they perform all of the obligations upon them. And they stay away from the haram and they stick to the halal. That's the middle level of the believers. They're higher than that bottom level who were people of Tawheed, but they were committing sins and errors and wrongdoing. And so on the day of judgment, they'll be under the command of Allah. But the middle level, they stay away from the haram and they stick to the halal. And they perform all of the obligations, even if they don't do the optional and the nawafil on top. The third level of the believers... The highest level of the believers. As-sabiqu bil-khayrat. The one who hastens to goodness and good deeds. وَهُوَ الَّذِي أَدَّ الْوَاجِبَاتِ وَالْفَرَائِضِ وَالنَّوَافِلِ And that is the type of believer who performs all of the obligatory acts and he performs the nawafil. He performs the nawafil acts, the nafal, the supererogatory, on top of the obligatory acts too. He performs the obligatory acts, and he sticks to the halal, and he stays away from the haram, just like the middle category. But then he does something more than the middle category. He actually performs the nawafil as well. So that makes him higher than the middle category. He sticks to the halal, stays away from the haram, performs all of the obligatory, and performs the nawafil, the nafil and the supererogatory and the optional. So that makes him at the higher level. Even more than that, he stays away from things which are makruh. Not even things which are haram, but even things that are makruh, he stays away from them as well. 
Whereas the middle level of the believers, they'll just stick to the mubah, things which are permissible. But the highest level of the believers, they'll perform the obligations, they'll perform the nawafil, and they'll stick to the halal, stay away from the haram, and they'll stay away from even things that are makruh. Things which are not haram, but they are makruh. They stay away from them too. That's what makes them from the highest level of the believers. فَهَذَا فِي أَعْلَى دَرَجَاتِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ So this type of person is from the highest level of the believers. The one who performs all of the obligations, all, uh, he performs the nawafil, he sticks to the halal, stays away from the haram, and even stays away from things which are makruh. Even things that are mubah, they are allowed, but he stays away from some of them, just in case they lead to something else which is evil, or in case it leads on to something, him doing it which is not good, he stays away even from things that aren't haram. Some of those average normal things, the mubah, or some of those makruh. He even stays away from them and sticks to the halal completely and purely to make him from that highest level of the believers. And that's what Allah said in the Quran, فَمِنْهُمْ ظَالِمٌ لِنَفْسِهِ وَمِنْهُمْ مُقْتَصِدْ وَمِنْهُمْ سَابِقٌ بِالْخَيْرَاتِ فَالْمُؤْمِنُونَ لَا يَخْرُجُونَ عَنْ هَذِهِ الْأَقْسَامِ ثَلَاثَ So the believers do not exit from these three categories. These are the three types of believers. وَكُلُّهُمْ فِي الْجَنَّةِ And all of them are in paradise. Whether it was that lowest category, where they perform sins and errors, but not shirk. So on the day of judgment, they may be punished for those sins and errors, but eventually they will go to paradise. Or if it's the middle level that they stick to the obligations and the halal, and they stay away from the haram, they are the middle level in paradise also. Or if it's the highest level that they perform the obligations and the nawafil, and they stick to the halal, and they stay away from the haram, and they even stay away from the makruh, in order to protect themselves. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said regarding these believers, جَنَّاتُ عَدْنٍ يَدْخُلُونَهَا يُحَلَّوْنَ فِيهَا مِنْ أَسَاوِرَ مِنْ ذَهَبٍ وَلُؤْلُؤًا وَلِبَاسُهُمْ فِيهَا حَرِيرٍ These are some of the descriptions that Allah gave regarding the believers of how they will have the bracelets from gold and their clothes will be from silk, etc. And they'll be in the gardens, the paradise. That is for those believers who do not commit shirk. And there are many narrations regarding that, that if a person was to die, even if he's committed sins, as long as he has not committed the sin of shirk, then he is from the people of Tawheed. And so he will enter paradise, even if it means initially he has to be punished for the sins, then eventually that Tawheed will dictate that he exits from the fire and he enters into the paradise. That's why the Shaykh says, Even that lowest category, the ones who are committing sins and errors, then they will enter paradise in the end because they didn't commit shirk. So when a person commits sins and he commits errors and he does wrong, then a person should not become grieving or sad or think that Allah will never forgive him. Rather Allah said, يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ my servants, the ones who have transgressed against themselves, you have sinned and you have done wrong, then do not be despondent or grieving from the mercy of Allah. Indeed, Allah forgives all of the sins. So a person who falls into error, he falls into sin, then he seeks the forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as long as a person has not committed shirk, then that person will enter paradise in the end. 
So if a person, as long as he hasn't got any shirk or disbelief, uh, and what he has got though are major sins and other types of sins, but not shirk. So this person is from the people of paradise, even if it means he gets punished first. So either this type of person will enter into paradise instantly, or he will be punished uh, for the amount of sins that he did to purify himself from those sins before entering into paradise. Then after that we'll enter onto the next hadith, عن أبي مالك الحارث بن عاصم الحارث بن عاصم الأشعري رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الطهور شطر الإيمان والحمد لله تملأ الميزان وسبحان الله والحمد لله تملأان أو تملأ ما بين السماء والأرض والصلاة نور والصدقة برهان والصبر ضياء والقرآن حجة لك أو عليك كل الناس يغدو فبائع نفسه فبائع نفسه فمعتقها أو موبقها In this hadith now, this great hadith, the Prophet sallam explained to us some of the characteristics of goodness. Some of the descriptions of goodness that a believer should be upon. And the Prophet said at the beginning of the hadith, At-tahuru shatrul iman. Purification is half of your iman. Purification is half of your iman. And that is purification as you are aware from the various types of impurities or from the minor or the major that you impure, purify yourself from those impurities. So this purification that you do with the water, whether it is wudu or ghusl or of that type of purification, then the Prophet ﷺ mentioned here that purification is half of your iman, nisful iman. And they say that the meaning of that is, al-muradu bit-tahuri huna at-tahuru al-hissi, wa huwa taharatu min al-ahdathi wal-anjas, فَإِذَا تَطَهَّرَ الطَّهَارَةَ الْحِسِّيَّةِ حَصَلَ عَلَى نِصْفِ الْإِيمَانِ لِأَنَّ الطَّهَارَ الْحِسِّيَّةِ شَرْطٌ لِصِحَّةِ الصَّلَاةِ So the scholars, they say that a person who performs that purification, he purifies himself, he makes the wudu, he makes the ghusl, etc. He keeps himself pure. And this is something good that a person is always upon the state of wudu. And even when going to sleep, that a person goes to sleep upon the state of wudu. That is something good. And it is something mentioned even during the day, throughout the day, even when it's not time for the prayer. If a person is upon the state of wudu, that's good. So here the hadith mentions that this purification is half of the iman. Now when a person performs that purification, it's half of the iman because the purification is needed for the prayer. The prayer that you have to pray five times a day, then the purification is needed in order to be able to pray that prayer five times a day. So therefore, it's mentioned that this purification is half of your iman, because you need that to be able to fulfill the prayer and that obedience to Allah. 
Some of the scholars say, however, the meaning of the hadith, that purification is half of your iman, does not mean ghusl and wudu. It just means generally speaking purification uh, in an abstract way. But the scholars say all of it is included, purification, whether it's ghusl and wudu, or it's other type of purification of the heart. All of this is included in terms of saying that purification is half of your iman. Purification of the heart, meaning that you stay away from sins, and you stay away from uh, ill acts and incorrect acts, that you perform the righteousness and the goodness and the obedience, that's the meaning of purification also. So a person who has that, he sticks to the halal and stays away from the haram, and he performs the good and he stays away from the bad, then this is purification. And that's half of the iman. And similarly, the physical purification of wudu and and, uh, ghusl, etc., that is also from this. So all of that is from the characteristics of a believer, from the descriptions of a believer that he is upon purification. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, Walhamdulillah tamla'ul mizan. That saying, Alhamdulillah, which is that all types of praise is for Allah. Alhamdulillah, like you say in Surah Al-Fatiha, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. That all types of praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Lord of the worlds, the Lord of all of creation. Alhamdu, here they say, Alif and Lam, Lil Istighraq. Meaning that the Alif and Lam, it includes every type of praise. So when you say Alhamdulillah, you are saying all types of praises. Every type of praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this statement, Alhamdulillah, it is mentioned in this hadith by the Prophet ﷺ, how virtuous and how good that statement is. Alhamdulillah, praising Allah in that way, such that it fills the weighing scales for that person on the day of judgment. It fills the weighing scales on the day of judgment of your good deeds. Alhamdulillah. لِأَنَّ الْحَسَنَاتِ وَصَيِّئَاتِ تُوزَنُوا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ فِي الْمَوَازِينَ Because as you're aware, the good deeds and the bad deeds are weighed on the day of judgment in the weighing scales. وَهِيَ كَلِمَةٌ وَاحِدَةٌ يَنْبَغِيَ عَلَى الْعَبْدِ أَنْ يَقُولَهَ بِصِدْقٍ And this is such a small, simple word. Alhamdulillah. And it is befitting and appropriate. What's needed is that a person says that with sincerity, understanding and knowing that he is praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Alhamdulillah. You say this with that sincerity and truthfulness. And that you thank Allah and praise Allah for the blessings that you've been given. You thank Allah and you praise Allah for the blessings that you've been given. Just as Allah mentioned in the Quran, there are so many blessings you can't count them. وَإِن تَعُدُّوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ لَا تُحْسُوهَا If you were to try to count the number of blessings Allah gave you, then you would not be able to count those blessings. So it's upon a person to thank Allah for the blessings. And this is a statement of thankfulness. Alhamdulillah. And that is a statement of greatness that fills the wing scales on the day of judgment. وَيَصْرِفَهَا فِي طَاعَةِ اللَّهِ فَلَيْسَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ بِاللِّسَانِ فَقَطْ بَلِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ on top of that the shaykh mentions it's not just about saying alhamdulillah 
Rather, it's about practicing it and acting upon it too. So when you say, Alhamdulillah, all praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you then also act upon that by thanking Allah for the blessings and being obedient to Allah and worshipping Allah because that is how you show your gratitude to Allah. That is how you show your thankfulness to Allah. If you are really grateful for the blessings Allah has given you, then you are obedient to Allah and you worship Allah. And this is what's required as Shaykh Al-Fawzad says. It's not just about saying Alhamdulillah, but that you act upon it too, by showing your gratitude to Allah through worship and obedience. Then the Prophet said, وَسُبْحَانَ وَالْحَمْدُ تَمْلَأُ تَمْلَآنِ أَوْ تَمْلَأُ مَا بَيْنَ السَّمَاءِ then the Prophet ﷺ said that Subhanallah, this word Subhanallah and Alhamdulillah, they fill everything between the heavens and the earth. They fill everything between the heavens and the earth. Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah. Kalimatani, because Subhanallah, when you say that, what does it mean? What does it mean? Subhanallah. Far removed is Allah. Glory be to Allah. Subhanallah. Glory be to Allah. What does that mean? Glory be to Allah. Often, quite often, you're right. You see the posters and the stickers and everything. And they say, Subhanallah, glory be to Allah. What does it mean? Glory be to Allah. The most high. Hmm? It's as the brother mentioned, Subhanallah, they translate it as glory be to Allah. But what does that mean? There's more to it than that. What it means is that you are saying Allah is the mighty, the majestic, free of any type of deficiency or imperfection. You're saying basically that there is nothing bad attached to Allah or uh, ascribed to Allah. Allah is the mighty, the majestic, the powerful, free of any type of bad or imperfection or deficiency. That's subhanallah. That Allah is the most mighty, the powerful, the majestic, the free of all type of deficiency, all type of shortcomings. They are free from Allah. Allah is not ascribed or attributed with any type of deficiency or shortcoming. Just as Allah gave examples in the Quran to highlight that. لَا تَأْخُذُهُ سِنَةٌ وَلَا نَوْمٌ That sleep or slumber does not overcome Allah. So any type of attribute or any type of description of deficiency, then it is not attributable to Allah. That's subhanallah. And you see that in the Quran. Whenever there is any bad statement that the people of disbelief associated to Allah, then the response is that Allah is free of that deficiency, free of those deficiencies that they associate. An example is Isa alayhi salam, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to Isa alayhi salam, أَأَنْتَ قُلْتَ لِلنَّاسِ اتَّخِذُونِ وَأُمِّيَ إِلَهِينِ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ Did you say to the people, take me and my mother, Mary as they say, Maryam alayhi salam, did you say to the people, take me and my mother, Mary, as gods besides Allah? Isa alayhi salam will say, as it's mentioned in the Quran, Subhanaka, may you be removed from this type of deficiency. 
for me to say that worship me and my mother besides Allah. So Allah is freed from all of any type of deficiency or anything that the people they ascribe to Allah. Whether they ascribe it or not, Allah is free of all of those deficiencies. Subhanallah, the mighty, the majestic and the powerful. Uh, so you are basically saying therefore that there are no partners to Allah, there are no equals to Allah, there are no deficiencies to Allah. Subhanallah. Walhamdulillah, as we've already said, it means all types of praise, every type of praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here the Prophet said that these two words, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, they fill everything between the heavens and the earth. And the Shaykh says, you know how much space there is between the heavens and the earth. How big that is between the heavens and the earth. The Shaykh says, you know how much space there is between the heavens and the earth. وَقَدْ جَاءَ فِي حَدِيثِ ابْنِ عَبَّاسِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا And it's in fact mentioned in the hadith of Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما that the Prophet said to some of the companions هَلْ تَدْرُونَ كَمْ بَيْنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ Do you know how much the gap is between the heavens and the earth? قَالُوا They said قُلْنَا اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُ أَعْلَمْ The Prophet then told them the answer بَيْنَهُمَا between them Masiratu khamsi mi'ati sana. There is the distance of 500 years. The distance of 500 years. Wabayna kulli sama'in ila sama'in masiratu khamsi mi'at sana. And between every level of the heavens to the next level of the heavens is 500 years of traveling. Wakithafu kulli sama'in masiratu khamsi mi'ati sana. فَهَاتَانِ الْكَلِمَتَانِ إِذَا قَالَهُمَا الْإِنسَانُ بِصِدْقٍ وَنِيَّةٍ خَالِصَةٍ يَمْلَآنِ مَا بَيْنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ عَلَىٰ سِعَةِ مَا بَيْنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ So if a person was to say these words with truthfulness, sincerity, properly understanding and knowing, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, then this fills all of that space, despite how big it is. لِعِظَمِ هَاتَيْنِ الْكَلِمَتَيْنِ Due to the greatness of these two words. لَا لِلَفْضِهِمَا وَلَكِنْ لِمَعْنَاهُمَا وَلَعَمَلِ بِهِمَا Not just because of the actual word, but because of the meaning behind that word, subhanallah. And the meaning behind the word, alhamdulillah. And that a person acts upon that. Because the point isn't just to say, subhanallah, alhamdulillah. But then a person goes and commits sins and wrongdoing and fornication, alcohol and everything. The point is to say these words and to act in that way accordingly. To act in the way properly by obeying Allah and being upon worship and saying these words. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, وَالصَّلَاةُ نُورَ And the prayer, it is light. الصَّلَاةُ الْمَفْرُوضَةُ وَالنَّافِرَةُ نُورٌ فِي الْوَجْهِ The obligatory prayers and the supererogatory prayers, they bring light to your face. They bring light to the face of the individual. Nurun fil wajh. فَتَجِدُ الْمُضَيِّعِينَ لِلصَّلَاةِ عَلَى وُجُوهِهِمْ ظُلْمَ وَالْكُدْرَةِ وَالْعِيَاذُ بِاللَّهِ So the shaykh says, you will find that those people who waste their prayers, they don't pray their five prayers, five in every day, not just two or three. The obligation is five every day. So the ones who do not, 
pray the prayers and they waste their prayers, the Shaykh says, you find on their faces that there isn't this light. You don't find this light in their faces, you find darkness in their faces. The ones who don't pray and they waste their prayers. وَتَجِدُ الْمُحَافِذِينَ عَلَى الصَّلَوَاتِ وَالْمُتَهَجِّدِينَ فِي اللَّيْلِ عَلَى وُجُوهِهِمْ ضِيَاءُ وَالنُّورُ وَالْبَشَاشَةِ And the Shaykh says, you'll find upon the people who pray their prayers, and they pray the night prayers, you'll find the glowing faces. Even if they are dark-skinned, even if they are dark-skinned, they have dark skin. Maybe some people in certain countries, you have dark skin, you have black people, you have white people. That's not the meaning of this. Even the dark-skinned person, you will find it glowing. You will find the radiance in their faces from this prayer and, and looking after the prayer and guarding over it. هَذَا شَيْءٌ وَاضِحٌ لِلنَّاسِ إِذَا تَأَمَّلْتَهُ فَالصَّلَاةُ نُورٌ لَكَ فِي وَجْهِكَ وَنُورٌ لَكَ عَلَى الصِّرَاطِ وَنُورٌ لَكَ فِي سُلُوكِكَ وَحَيَاتِكَ So this prayer, it brings light for you. Light in your face. And it brings light for you in the hereafter when you're crossing the bridge. Because as we mentioned, when you cross the bridge, it will be darkness. And everybody will be given light. And you will be given light in accordance to how many deeds you have. So the more deeds a person has, the more the light you will be given. And the less deeds, the less light. Allah said in the Quran regarding the prayer, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ تَنْهَا عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ That this prayer, it prohibits you from the evil acts and the lewd acts. وَقَالَ وَاسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّلَاةِ وَإِنَّهَا لَكَبِيرَةٌ إِلَّا عَلَى الْخَاشِعِينَ And so seek aid and assistance in, in patience and in the prayer. In patience and in the prayer. Indeed, it is something big, heavy, except for those who are upon khushu'ah. They have that submissiveness and humility to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, وَالصَّدَقَةُ بُرْهَانَ As-sadaqah, which is giving your wealth in the obedience to Allah. Giving your wealth in the obedience to Allah. That is a burhan, the Prophet ﷺ said. An evidence for you. The charity you give for the sake of Allah, in obedience to Allah, it is an evidence for you upon what? It's an evidence for you upon your iman. That this money you have, you're not storing it up and stashing it up, but rather this money you have, you give in the way of Allah. That's a sign of your iman in your heart. Knowing that when you give this money in the obedience of Allah, it's not going to decrease. Rather, your reward is going to increase when you give that money. And that's why the word zakat in Arabic, zakat it means something which expands. So when you give your zakat, you're actually taking money away. But that doesn't make your money decrease. It expands it, it purifies it. This is the sadaqah which is an evidence for you. That's because the shaykh says, somebody who doesn't have iman in their heart, they won't be generous with their wealth. Somebody who doesn't have iman in their heart, they won't be generous with their wealth. If a person doesn't have iman in their heart, they want to keep all of their wealth for themselves, and use it for themselves, and do whatever they want in this world. But the person who has iman, he is the one who gives that in the way of Allah. فَإِذَا قَدَّمَهُ الْإِنسَانُ فِي طَاعَةِ اللَّهِ فَهَذَا بُرْهَانٌ عَلَىٰ إِيمَانِهِ So if a person was to give his wealth in the way of Allah, then that is a sign upon his iman. أَمَّا الْمُنَافِقِ فَهُوَ لَا يَتَسَدَّقِ As for the hypocrites, they don't give in charity in that way, they don't spend in the way of Allah. بَلْ يَقْبِضُ يَدَيْهِ عَنِ الصَّدَقَةِ Rather they are miserly. 
They are miserly and they keep that wealth and they don't spend it. وَلَا يُنْفِقُونَ إِلَّا وَهُمْ كَارِهُونَ As Allah said, they don't spend their wealth except if they have to, they hate to do it, but they just do it because they have to. This is what's mentioned regarding them. وَيَقْبِضُونَ أَيْدِيَهُمْ It's mentioned in the Qur'an similarly that they grasp their hands. Meaning that they are miserly and they don't give that wealth in the path of Allah. So, the lack of giving in charity, the lack of giving any money, then this indicates a weakness in iman. Rather the one who gives, that is an evidence upon his iman. And of course that is in accordance to the ability of a person. In accordance to the ability of a person, an individual who has nothing, absolutely nothing, then that person isn't able to do anything at that moment. But for the one who has something, then if he gives a part of that, then this is a sign. قال, then the Prophet ﷺ said, That patience is light. Patience is light. And patience is of three types. This patience, it's one of the greatest characteristics, one of the greatest virtues that a believer can be upon to have patience. It is so great that Al-Imam Ahmad said this aspect of patience, it is mentioned in the Qur'an 90 times. 90 times in the Qur'an, that's how important this patience is. And this patience is different types. You need to have patience in different ways. One of the ways that you need to have patience is sabrun ala ta'atillah. To be patient upon the worship of Allah. Worshipping Allah, it requires patience. Patience to be able to control yourself and keep yourself upon that worship. To keep yourself firm, to get up for the Fajr prayer every day. To pray the other prayers of the day. To fulfill the other obligations upon you. It requires patience to be able to do that. To stick to the obedience and stick to the worship regularly. That requires patience from an individual. Similarly, the second type. Sabrun ala an maharimillah. Patience in staying away from sinning. That also requires patience from a person. To restrict yourself and control yourself from not falling into sinning and wrongdoing. Some haram act it comes along, but you have patience and you don't fall into that haram. You stop yourself. That's what patience means. The word sabr in Arabic, it means to control yourself, to restrict yourself, to bound yourself, bind yourself. That's what patience means in Arabic, a sabr. To control and to restrict and to bind yourself, to stop yourself. That's what sabr means in Arabic. So a person needs a person needs to restrict himself from falling into the haram. The third type of patience. The third type of patience is sabrun ala aqdarillahilmu'lima. To have patience upon the decree of Allah, even if that decree has difficulties within it. If some difficulty occurs to you, some hardship occurs to you, something happens in your life that causes you to become saddened, or it causes you to be concerned or upset, or it's something which you didn't wish to happen, something bad happens to you, some calamity overcomes you, some disaster occurs, then a person is patient upon those times of difficulty. Even when some difficulty occurs with regards to your wealth, maybe you lose a large portion of your wealth, something happens. Or maybe something to yourself and your health, some issue occurs. Or with your family and your relatives, something happens. Then a person in those times of difficulty, remembers that this is the decree of Allah. 
And he is patient upon that and he thanks Allah and praises Allah. And he makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove that difficulty. Just as Allah mentioned, إِنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ yusra. Indeed with difficulty comes ease. With difficulty comes ease. And when a calamity befalls, then the ease it comes after that. So a person is required to be patient at those times and to make dua. And a person doesn't know. Maybe today he thinks he's in the greatest calamity ever and there is no escape from it. But he is not aware that tomorrow could be the day that in the decree of Allah this whole calamity by some way is removed from him and he escapes from it. And he doesn't know. In the hadith it mentions that maybe a person doesn't know how close he is to being removed from that difficulty. Allah knows. But that person doesn't know how close he is to being removed from this difficulty. Person finds himself in some calamity or hardship and he can't see how he could get out of it. And yet it's mentioned in the hadith, Allah is aware how close the time is, the decree will come where he'll be removed from that difficulty to disappear, maybe in a way that he never even considered it could disappear from him. So this is the patience that's required upon the decree. So here now, when the Prophet ﷺ said that the prayer is light and patience is light, these two, an-nuru wa-dhiya'u lakinna ashad. Both of them, they indicate light. But dhiya, the second word, indicates a greater amount of light. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, وَالْقُرْآنُ حُجَّةٌ لَكَ أَوْ عَلَيْكَ the Qur'an is an evidence for you or against you. The Qur'an will be an evidence for you or against you. Al-Qur'an al-lazhi anzalahu Allahu ala rasulihi sallam li hidayatin nasi wa bayan al-haqqi min al-batil. In amilta bihi sara hujjatan lak inda Allahi yawm al-qiyamah. Wa in taraktahu sara hujjatan alayk. So the Qur'an can either be an evidence for you on the day of judgment or it could be an evidence against you on the Day of Judgment. If you learn and read and practice and memorize and act upon the Qur'an, it will be an evidence for you, defending you on the Day of Judgment. But if you ignore and reject and do not pay any attention to the Qur'an and you go against the Qur'an, then it will be an evidence against you on the Day of Judgment. So the Qur'an can be an evidence for you, or it can be an evidence against you. So a person needs to pay attention to the Qur'an in learning it and understanding it and memorizing it and acting upon it, which is the purpose of the Qur'an. It isn't just to read it and not understand it and not practice it, but you need to understand too, and you need to memorize too, and you need to practice what's being said in there too. That is the way of the Qur'an or the understanding relationship between yourself and the Qur'an. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, كُلُّ النَّاسِ يَغْدُوا All of the people, they will go out early in the mornings. All of the people, they go out early in the mornings from their homes. فَالنَّاسُ يَخْرُجُونَ مِنَ الْبِيُوتِ أَوَّلَ النَّهَارِ But where do they go? They go to their work, they go to sell, they go to buy, they go to their employment. There isn't anybody who stays in their home unless they are sick, or if it is the women, or there is some other reason. But typically the people... This is the way of the world. They go out in the morning. They go out to go and look for their work or their provisions, etc. So when a person leaves his home and goes out, 
A person leaves his home in the morning or whenever it is that he goes, exits from his home. When that person leaves his home, إِمَّا أَنْ يُوْقِعَهُ فِي الشَّرْءِ وَإِمَّا أَنْ يُوْقِعَهُ فِي الْخَيْرِ that either this person as he exits from his door and he leaves is either going to fall into goodness in that day where he goes and what he does or he's going to end up in some evil in that day where he goes and what he does. فَإِنْ ذَهَبَ إِلَى طَلَبِ الْعِلْمِ وَإِلَى فِعْلِ الطَّاعَاتِ فَإِنَّهُ يُكْسِبُ خَيْرًا If that person leaves his home in the morning with the intention of obeying Allah in the things that he does, wherever he's going, whatever he's going to do, he has the intention of obedience, he has the intention of seeking knowledge, he has the intention of goodness, and that's what he's going to do when he goes out. Then goodness will come to him for that day. Goodness will come to him if he has this intention of leaving his home with goodness. But if he leaves his home with the intention of going to do some haram, then he will attract to himself this evil. Evil will come to him then if he leaves his home and he exits from his home looking for haram or to do haram, then he can expect the evil upon him also. فَهُوَ بِغُدُوِّهِ وَذِهَابِهِ مِنْ بَيْتِهِ إِمَّا يَذْهَبَ إِلَى الْخَيْرِ وَإِمَّا يَذْهَبَ إِلَى شَرِّ So when a person leaves his home and goes out, either you go out to goodness or you end up in badness. So may be from those people who goes out upon goodness. فَبَائِعُ النَّفْسَهُ وَفَمُعْتِقُهَا أَوْ مُوبِقُهَا So, Either you are going to sell or, uh, or uh, uh, that you free yourself. You either free yourself. How do you free yourself? Through seeking forgiveness from Allah, through repenting to Allah, and having regret over sins that you've done. But some people, they stay upon their sin and their evil and they relax with that. And so they then put themselves into destruction. So either you are from those who frees himself, you free yourself by seeking repentance from Allah and forgiveness from Allah, or you are from those who ends up and stays with those sins and you destroy yourselves. So upon the Muslim is to remember this. And that a person looks after himself even when leaving his home and returning. That you have the good intention of obeying Allah wherever you go, whatever you do. We did the narration, kunta. Fear Allah wherever you are. When you're leaving your home, you're outside, you come back. Fear Allah wherever you are and be upon obedience and stay away from haram. So this hadith tells us some of the characteristics and some of the duas. Alhamdulillah, subhanallah. And the types of descriptions of the prayer and how it gives you light and patience. Gives us all of these good descriptions in this hadith that we need to be upon and we need to be practicing. And that's what we'll conclude today, inshallah. Uh, next time we'll begin with the next hadith, which is the hadith Qudsi. Hadith Qudsi meaning that Allah spoke the hadith Himself. And the Prophet ﷺ narrated it from Allah. And in this hadith, Allah talks about different things, talks about, it mentions about seeking forgiveness, about guidance. Asking Allah to guide you and keep you upright upon that guidance. And it mentions different types of things about sinning and seeking forgiveness. So all of these things we'll see inshallah in the next time we have a lesson. Which will be on the 12th of January. Because the next two weeks this hall is closed. They have their holidays etc. So they close the hall for two weeks now. So the 12th of January. The 12th of January inshallah. 
Not next week, not next Sunday, not the Sunday after that, but one after that. 12th of January, inshallah, we'll start again. Uh, that's the next lesson. If you uh, follow on Twitter, for example, Al Basira, you get the updates there as well. And on the website, Al Basira website, the updates are there too. So you can keep updated by those ways. And you have the mailing list on Al Basira. Al Basira website has the mailing list, albasira.com. So if you log on to that and you sign on to that, they will send you in your email notifications of when the lessons are going on, etc. So you should sign up to that too. So inshallah we'll carry on in three weeks' time.